Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 29, Daniel 70 Weeks, part 4. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that teaches you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell. This is Zena. And Zena, the warrior princess, is here with me today. <laughs> we are going to continue our series on the book of Daniel. I know. Very interesting book. Daniel 70 Weeks in particular. We've been talking about this, this prophecy that seems to be the focus of understanding a lot of God's timetable. At least I think it is. And where we left off was we were talking about the coming prince yes. and those four kingdoms that he's essentially over. Satan's kingdoms of the empires were Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Mm -hmm. And we last talked about Rome being the in mystery form. Yes. Right? So the passage that is the focus of our study in this series, and this is part four, is Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, where we were reading, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And those 70 weeks are weeks of years. And I'm doing this for the benefit of those who may be tuning in to hear part four before they hear part one. Right. Uh, and so the 490-year prophecy would have been fulfilled from AD four, uh, BC 450, excuse me, uh, up until the whenever it would have ended, but it the clock stopped in the 483rd year, which was 69 of the weeks, and that mm -hmm. was the year that Jesus Christ was crucified. So we're going to try to get today, finally, about why did the clock stop? What happened? Well, the clock stopped because Christ was rejected. So God set them aside, and He beca they became not my people. We looked at that in Hosea chapter 1. Mm -hmm. And to me... Uh, a subject of another lesson sometime could be that when Christ was crucified, it was in the first month of that last year, the 483rd year. And it was on the 14th day of the month. So that's the Passover. Yes. Which is the reason why he's the Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. So he was crucified on the Passover where all the rest of that year, minus two weeks, was left in that time. So some events did take place in the rest of the year that matches another verse of scripture that is a parable about a fig tree. But ultimately, when that year ended in the harvest of the year, uh, that's when it became clear that what the 12 were continuing to do in their ministry after Christ rose from the dead was not going to turn the nation back to God. Okay. He gave them that last bit of the year to to try to see if they would return, even though, because Christ did have to die. They rejected him, but they were offered the kingdom again, even after he died, because they preached that you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. 
Okay. So the kingdom is offered again, and this time it's like they said, when we said no, we meant no. And they killed another man whose name was Stephen. He was a, he was a disciple, not one of the 12, but one of their converts. And when they killed him, that seems to be the point at which God said, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Turned his face from them, saved a guy named Saul, changed his name to Paul, and he became the apostle to the Gentiles. And okay. stop dealing with Israel as a nation from that point forward. So Israel's going to come back to God when they make their confession, and in their affliction, they'll turn to him. So in the meantime, these empires that have been world empires, and we don't think about them much today because we've got nations like Europe and, and nations in Europe, America, whatever, and we don't think of ourselves as being in the mystery Roman Empire. Yeah. Right. But those kingdoms were prophesied in Daniel chapter seven in that in another dream that was had. And this time, instead of being an image like Nebuchadnezzar had, uh, which kind of foreshadows the image of the beast. Yes. Okay. This was a dream of several beasts. Four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion. This is Daniel chapter seven, had eagle's wings. That represents Babylon. Another beast like to a bear, it raised itself up on one side. It had in its uh, three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. That represents Persia. The, another beast, the third, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl and four heads, and dominion was given to it. And that, historically, we can see was Greece. And then the final beast, the fourth beast, he said, was exceedingly dreadful and terrible and had great iron teeth and devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue of it, and it was uh, over all the kingdoms of the earth. And that's Rome. So that's the Roman Empire. And in that time of that beast, it said it had seven heads and ten horns, and one of the horns rises up from among the ten and becomes a great horn that speaks great swelling words, and it's the Antichrist. So it's another picture of the Antichrist, the little horn that becomes a great horn. Okay. Mm. Horn representing kings, like horns of an animal. Think of like horns on a dragon, you know? Yeah. Well, they they are also representative of these kings. So if he's coming from the fourth beast, it's the fourth empire, it's Rome, it's the Roman Empire. So Rome must be in a mystery form now, and it's going to come back into power in in a way like it was, where it controlled everything. And ultimately, all the countries that we think of right now are going to come back under to the under the political power of Rome again somehow. Okay. Okay. So that's the reason why we went through all that, and it's going to help us explain what's about to happen. So if I skip down to verse 13 in this chapter, he says, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall never be destroyed. Well, that's the kingdom of Christ. So he's going to come back in the time of the little horn, destroy the Roman Empire, and set up his kingdom, the fifth kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So now, what about this 2,000-year gap? Yeah, why was it necessary? (laughs) So it was necessary because God had to give Israel the opportunity to receive Christ. When he came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. He offered the kingdom. They said, we don't want this man to reign over us. They chose Caesar. Who is Caesar? Yeah, who is Caesar? He's the emperor of Rome. They chose the Roman Empire 
Satan's kingdom over Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Now, what do you think Caesar offered them? He didn't offer him anything. He was already the conquering nation, if you will. Israel was under the, I guess there was like a colony to Rome at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when an empire conquers other nations, there's still those people in those nations. They speak their language, they have their culture, but now they pay taxes to Rome. Okay. And by the way, if anybody has not seen it yet, there is a TV series that is available through an app only, and it's called The Chosen. And it's about Jesus' ministry to Israel and how he chose the 12 and they're beginning their, their ministry in Israel. It's quite good. Okay. It's excellently done. I mean, it's like one of the best programs I've ever seen. So I would highly recommend it. But if you want to kind of go back and get the backstory, it's pretty good. Okay. And what I really like about it is that it, all of the actors are people that would look like they would have looked at the time. The chosen. Now, is that the is that the app that it's on, or is that what the show is called? Yeah, the app that it's on is actually called the Chosen app, and you can go download it from any app store that okay. you that you want to use. But uh, what's neat about it is it it shows people as they would have been. And it kind of gives you a little idea what life was like in the first century. Okay. You, know, you think about you know how did they eat? How did they dress? Yeah. How did they live in their houses? You know how did they work? And uh, it's it's really good at that. It's focusing more on the human interest side of things. You okay. Know? I, I, interesting thing, like one of the disciples or one of the apostles is Matthew, and he was a tax collector. So this is what made me think of that because I was talking about Israel paying taxes to Rome. Mm -hmm. And the actor portrays him as a guy that's sort of OCD. You know, he doesn't like to touch things. <laughs> we don't know by the Bible that he was that way at all. Right. But that creative idea being put to this man makes him real. Yes. You know, it makes them real to us. So it's really interesting. But I brought that up because of the taxes that they paid, which, we, you know, who wants to pay taxes to a conquering nation? Mm -hmm. So Israel wanted freedom from that. They wanted to be released from that. Okay. And they rebelled enough to the point where they were finally destroyed in 70 AD, like we talked about before. They thought Messiah was going to bring the delivery from Rome. But they didn't understand about the spiritual kingdom that he was offering. Yes. They thought they were looking for a military leader. Mm. Well, when Christ comes back, he's a military leader. But this time it's to defeat the mystery Roman Empire. Yes. The empire or the kingdom of the beast, if that makes sense. That does. So when you finally put it all together, you realize there's a whole spiritual realm that people miss. You know, you can look around you and see political nations, but there's spiritual powers behind them all. Okay. And we're sort of being deceived by Satan to not ever think of that. Why would you think about the power behind the throne? All you see is the throne. Yes. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yes. But there's someone behind the curtain, and it's Satan and his angels, right? So back in Revelation 13, we talked about the beast rising up out of the sea, and his political power is described... Verse 1, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Well, that's describing a composite of the three separate beasts that Daniel wrote about in okay. the dream that we just read. So it's the culmination of the beasts or the Antichrist kingdom, all right? And it says the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So the dragon is Satan, mm -hmm. and therefore this beast is a dragon. It's a seven-headed dragon. Okay. So it's a, it's a political picture of Satan and his dominion, if okay. you will. Now, Israel rejected Christ. God gave the disciples a year 
to water the plant before to see if it would bear fruit before he would cut it down. Mm -hmm. It didn't bear fruit, so he cut it down. The fulfillment of Hosea, they are not my people. God hid his face from them. He's waiting on their confession. Was there a particular reason that it has been 2,000 years since that time? Maybe, maybe not, but there's a verse that I think gives shed some light into that. So we're going to get into that near the end of this podcast. But let's talk about the 2,000 years. Okay. So what happened? Israel fell after rejecting Jesus Christ. The means of salvation was supposed to be through them. Okay. Christ would come, be the king. They would receive the king. God would restore Israel to the kingdom. They would go ye therefore and teach the nations. Well, how were the nations going to get saved if there was no Israel to go preach to them? That's true. So God had a plan. He knew that they were going to reject him, but he had to offer it. So in their rejection of it, he had planned to save this man who was the chief persecutor of the believers, Paul. His name was Saul of Tarsus. God changed his name to Paul, which literally means pause. Palos in Greek, okay, a pause, like a cease. And he sent him to preach a message to the Gentiles that didn't have anything to do with Israel's national program. It just had to do with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And he called his message a mystery because it had never been heard of before, all right, this mystery. So Christ was cut off in the 483rd year of the 70-week prophecy. 69 weeks, right? Yes. One week remains, and you would have thought it would have followed after the end of the 69th week. Yeah. At the end of the 483rd year. But that's when they killed Stephen, and that's when Christ sat down and God turned his face from Israel. So the clock stopped, and the dispensation of grace began, which is not part of this prophecy. It's a separate mystery. It's been 2,000 years so far. So if we take the timetable of Jesus Christ died when he was 33 years old, we'll just assume for simplicity that that would have been 33 AD. Some scholars think that he was born in 4 BC. So he would have died in like 29 AD. I don't understand how you could be born before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't understand that calendar, but I just, it's easy for me to think of Christ being born in year zero and dying in year 33. Okay. So it's now, today, the year 2021. Let's say it was the year 2033. That would be exactly 2,000 years since Christ died. Mm -hmm. So we're close to 2,000 years. We're about 11 years shy or 12 years shy, or whatever it is. What if. Christ is going to come back at the end of 2,000 years exactly. Now, we don't know that he will. Okay. Okay. But what if he did? All right. When he comes back, it's foreshadowed in the book of Revelation. Or it's not foreshadowed. It's described completely in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. So we're going to go read that right quick. Because I want people to realize that when the Antichrist comes and all this horrible stuff is going on, it's bad. And he's an awful thing. But he's not going to be victorious. Good. When the, the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days and had an everlasting kingdom, this is what it's going to look like. Okay. Revelation 19, verse 11, John writes, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness 
righteousness, <laughs> he doth judge and make war. Now, this time he's making war. Mm -hmm. When Christ came the first time, he was peaceful. Yes. He rode into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of an ass. You know, really? remember? Yes. Yeah, they laid a coat on him and he rode in on, I mean, it's a baby donkey. Aww. Right? And he rides in. That, that You can't make war on a donkey, <laughs> especially not a colt. But this time he's on a white horse and he's going to make war. Verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, a garment, dipped in blood. And you're about to find out why. And his name is called the Word of God. So we know it's Christ because he's the Word. Yes. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So he's coming back as a military general. He's got an army behind him. Yes. Probably angels. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> you know, if you could choose between Michael and me, you'd choose Michael, right? <laughs> and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. A smite means to strike. So he's coming back to do battle, right? And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's treading the wine press. You know about a wine press. They used to put grapes in it, and they would step on them to squeeze out the juice, which would become wine. Mm -hmm. They would turn into wine. It's good for the people that are going to drink the wine. It's bad for the grapes. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to be a grape in the wine no, press. No, definitely not. Well, the people, the enemies of, of God are the grapes, and he's treading them down. He's making wine out of them. If you've ever heard the expression, the grapes of wrath... Yes. And it's a book by John Steinbeck, I think. That is from the Bible. It's from Christ's return. God's wrath is going to be upon the world as him treading the grapes, stomping on them to, to make the blood flow. So the reason why his garment is dipped in blood is because, according to another passage, when he comes to this earth and he's destroying the Antichrist and his armies in a valley, which is known as Megiddo in Israel, and you've heard the term Armageddon, Mm -hmm. The battle of Armageddon is Megiddo. As he rides through on that horse, the blood of the slain is going to be up to the bridle of the horse. So his garment would be stained with the blood of men, the wicked that he destroyed because they are fighting against God Almighty Whoa. with the Antichrist. He, when he comes back, it's a bloodbath. The wrath of God is nothing to fool around with because he's giving men now... 2,000 years of grace to simply trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yes. When that time of grace ends, it's no more free ride. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm coming, and I'm going to hold men accountable for their crimes. And we want it. We want justice, you know, but he's the only one that's righteous. So when he comes back, he's going to judge the world in righteousness. And the last verse uh, here, uh, not the last, but the next verse in verse 17 says... And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. In other words, he's saying to all the buzzards. Oh, okay. I was like... Wait, they're going to be cannibals? 
come and dine. No, the birds. The, and we said the fowls that fly are okay. like vultures and carrion birds. Okay. So basically there's going to be so many slain that these they're going to gorge and feast on the dead bodies of these wicked people that are fighting against the Lord. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies, the satanic global elite, mm-hmm. right, gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, Christ, and his against his army, which is probably the angels. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. And by the way, all these people that are slain have the mark. Okay. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Finally, the beast and the false prophet are going to be thrown in the lake of fire. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So it's an amazing thing to comprehend. Yeah. This final battle of uh, the end of the world. This is the end of the world. Very gruesome battle. Very gruesome. But all these people chose to follow Satan and his Antichrist rather than receive the truth of God, which they had every opportunity to turn. 2,000 years is a long time. 2,000 years. And then even in the seven years of tribulation and during that time, you know, he was letting them know um, that you can still turn to God. It's going to be through much affliction, but they can still turn to God. And even, even with all the punishments that he puts on there and the demonic things and the earthquakes and everything else, men still refuse to worship God. That's crazy. It's hard to believe. Now, after Christ rose from the dead, and before he ascended up to the Father for good, uh, until they make their confession, he told the 12, you go preach, and they're going to have this year. But he didn't say it that way. But they had been preaching for three and a half years, and he trained them to speak and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, when Israel rejected Christ and they crucified him, they crucified the king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Yeah. So when he ascended up to the Father, the kingdom was not being offered anymore. What he was doing was saying to the 12, keep preaching, but don't say the kingdom of heaven is at hand anymore. 
say, join us because God's about to destroy this nation. Not one stone left upon another. When we get back to that prophecy, he said in Matthew 24. So in Acts chapter 1, right before he ascended up, the 12 who only knew repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because that's what they were preaching for three and a half years, Mm -hmm. they asked him this question. When they were therefore come together, verse 6, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Seems like a fair question to me. Yes. They've been preaching it was at hand. When he was crucified, they must have thought all hope was lost. I could see that. Because they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And then when he rose from the dead, they were joyous and glorified God and said, okay, great, you're alive. Are you now going to deliver us from Rome? Are you now going to restore the kingdom? And you would think he would say, yes, now is the time, or we're going to do it in a week or something. Mm -hmm. But his answer was, he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Do you think he was just saying that you guys just need to trust me? He was. Uh, and also he was saying, something's changing here. What you might have been thinking as, we're going to go into the seven years of tribulation. Mm-hmm. That must have been what they were thinking. Uh, and and he had warned them that you will need to do this and you'll flee if you see that and on and on and look out. He warned them. So in their mind, they were thinking, we're going to go through this seven years. It's coming right now. When he said, it's not for you to know the times, then they're thinking, okay, maybe he's going to hold it off a little while. They had no idea there would be a 2,000-year dispensation of grace. In fact, the 12 didn't know it would be this long, or actually nobody knew it would be this long until we are here today, 2,000 years later. Yeah. But they didn't know there was going to be a break in the program until Paul finally met the 12, because he used to be their enemy, so they didn't trust him at first. So when he got saved and they finally uh, were able to convince them that he was God's new apostle, mm-hmm. they would have said, well, we got a lot of questions. Why did he save you? Why did our program change? Why hasn't he come back? It's been seven years. Yeah. You know, all the timing of things wouldn't have added up in their minds. And Paul would have been able to say, well, I got news for you. Christ revealed to me a mystery that you guys didn't know, that through the fall of Israel salvation would come to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Now, he didn't know how long it was going to last, but we have a a reference to what the time period would be in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And so Paul wrote this, and this is why we use the term dispensation. He writes in verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So he's writing to some Gentiles here. The Ephesian letter is a city made up of Gentile people. Mm -hmm. And when he says the prisoner of Jesus Christ, he's literally in prison. He got arrested because it was against the law for him to preach to Gentiles. Okay. Meaning the law of Moses, or or at least the way the Israelites interpreted the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. So it really was the Rome didn't care what he did. You know, as long as they didn't, as long as he paid taxes, they didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was the Jewish council that had him arrested. So he ended up in prison in Rome. And he writes this letter from Rome. Okay. So he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, there's one of our mysteries, 
Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And what is the mystery? Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Not through Israel's program, but this gospel. Okay, mm -hmm. So there was something that changed, and it was introducing what he called a dispensation of grace. Now, the word dispensation is an interesting word because the original Greek word is, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but it looks like oikonomia. And we get an English word from it, and it's economy. Okay. So you know what that is, economy. Yes. Like if we say the certain president had a certain economy. He was the steward or the uh, caretaker of the financial health of the United States for mm -hmm. four years. All right, that economy. So it's really the same idea. Paul was the steward of a mystery, right? And the mystery was a dispensation. He was dispensing out the information about this economy. Uh -huh. So we've been in an economy of grace all this time. And if God said, well, I had to put the 70th week on hold, but I will keep my promise and it will be fulfilled and it will come to pass and the Antichrist will show up and then Jesus Christ returns, when is it going to happen? Yeah. So many people are thinking, ah, you know, I've given up. There is no God. It's all been a lie. It's all been a myth because it's been 2,000 years. Why has it taken so long? Well, we're going to go to a passage in Hosea. Actually, we have to back up. We don't have to back up, but I'll remind my viewers, and because you and I have talked about this so many times, we can just cite it. Second Peter chapter 3, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Yes. And a thousand years as one day. So if we've used that formula before, and we've applied it, and we've talked about, say, for example, God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Yes. If a day is as a thousand years, and we talked about the time of human history, 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus, mm -hmm. or four days. 2,000 years from Jesus, roughly, to now, or two days. When the Lord comes back, it's the day of the Lord, and his reign is 1,000 years on the okay. earth. The seventh day. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So six days, and then the seventh day is the Sabbath day, the rest of Israel, right? Hosea chapter 3. Now, this, this is where it gets really interesting. Hosea chapter 3, verse 4 says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, and without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, that's Hosea chapter 3. He's saying when God turned his face from Israel after they rejected Christ, he said they would abide many days. We don't know how many days that is, but many days without a king, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Without a prince, the archangel Michael. Without a sacrifice, because the temple was destroyed. Mm -hmm. No place to offer a sacrifice. Right. That's why they want to build another one, you know, where the mosque is, we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. So... Many days, and then he said, afterward, after many days, they will seek the Lord. Well, we already know they're going to seek him in their affliction, so it's got to be during the time of the final 70th week. Yes. 
Okay, so since there's been nearly 2,000 years since Christ died and God hid his face from them because he sent it up to heaven, then how are we going to be able to figure out when the 70th week will start again? All right. We know he's going to turn. They got to make their confession. Yes. We know he's going to turn his face back to them. Then Antichrist will appear in the mm-hmm. middle of the week. Yes. After the covenant is made. And then uh, the Lord returns on the white horse. So is there something in scripture that might give us a clue as to how long it will be? And for that, we go to the same book, Hosea okay. chapter five. Now I could be way off on this, but I don't think I am. Okay. Okay. Verse 15. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me earlier. We just talked about that. Yes. The very next verse, chapter 6, verse 1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord. It's like Israel's answering him. Yes. Christ says, I'll go return to my place till Mm -hmm. they acknowledge their offense. Israel says, come and let us return to the Lord. Like chapter 4 said, and they will seek me after many days. Mm-hmm. So this is after many days. Okay. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, we were punished, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, because we did wrong, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. If a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Oh, so 2,000 years. 2,000 years, two days. Could it be the dispensation of grace, that mystery, is going to be 2,000 years long because of the two-day promise here? Why say two days if it's not important, right? That's true. So in the third day, he will raise us up. It's like he returns, and that begins the Sabbath or the thousand-year reign of Christ. Right. Which would be the seventh day of the other parallel. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he's just talking about something else. Two days. We were smitten for two days. We were not as people for two days. 2,000 years. It's a long time. It's a long time. So what if I take that and do a little more math and I say, okay, we know the 70th week has to start sometime. Mm -hmm. It's seven years long. Christ was crucified in his 33rd year of life. Yes. I would say 33 AD. Okay. It's 2021 right now. If the Lord was going to come back in 2033, exactly 2,000 years or two days, I I don't know that it's going to be this precise, Mm -hmm. but I'm just speculating. If it were going to be exactly 2,000 years later, it would be in the year 2033, which would mean it would be after seven years, right? So... 2033 subtract 7 would be 2026, right? 7, yeah, from 6. Yes. Okay. So um, if 2026, uh, if assuming everything, is the beginning of the final week, and he comes back in 2033, then that means the rapture has to happen first. Is it possible the rapture is going to happen in 2026 or 2025? With the way that our <laughs> life is going at the moment, I would not be surprised if it did happen. We have no idea. And, <laughs> and to, to make sure people understand that I am well aware of this and I want them to know we're just guessing and we're speculating, mainly because we want to show you how close we are to the time of the end, Yes, it would seem. 
But nobody knows the day or the hour. Only the Father in heaven, and Christ said that in Matthew 24, so I want to make sure people understand that I know this, because Christ said in verse 36 of Matthew 24, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And he's talking about the day that he comes back on that white horse. Nobody knows that day or even the hour, but the Father in heaven. So when we speculate, we're not trying to say, I know when Jesus is coming back. You know? right. We're simply saying that it seems to be we're getting close to the time. And what's interesting is he went on to say, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And he goes on to describe how in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And remember, we talked about the only reference to marriage in the days of Noah were the sons of God taking the daughters of men in Genesis 6. Mm -hmm. So is it possible that in the days leading up to the coming of the Lord, there's going to be something going on in the world similar to what took place in Genesis 6? where the sons of God are intermingling with the seed of men. And I think maybe something's going on with like genetic manipulation right now. Mm -hmm. The study of genetics right now is getting kind of scary. I mean, it's so crazy that you can go into like a sperm donor facility and basically build a baby. Build a baby, almost a designer baby. Yeah, you can choose the color, the eyes, the yeah. skin tone. No matter what your skin tone is, you can just... Build this child, implant it in you, and boom. And now they're scary. starting to mix DNA of different animals. So like you yes. can have a rabbit with a monkey brain mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, and that's scary. And when you think about it, if they were, uh, if the angels that sinned took daughters and the giants were born of them, the Nephilim, uh, and they were hybrids, yeah. they were also animal hybrids too because they corrupted all flesh. So maybe legends of things like griffins, and minotaurs and centaurs, you know, half horsemen, yeah. half bullmen, half uh, eagle lions, whatever. I wouldn't doubt that they're real. Maybe they did exist at that at some time, and that was Satan's attempt to corrupt things again. So there's a good possibility that Satan will come down in the guise of aliens, mm -hmm. UFOs, and all that stuff, and maybe claim to be from another planet coming to bring us wisdom and technology. Right. But in reality. It's the great deception. Mm -hmm. So, folks, you don't want to take to chance that that may or may not happen because the Bible says God will send strong delusion and people will believe a lie. So whatever the lie is, whether it's Satan pretending to be an alien from outer space or something else, you won't be able to withstand it or, yeah. or, or see through it when he comes. Because right now I'm starting to see a lot of people are scared to death of things and they're being manipulated to do things that they ordinarily wouldn't do. Well, Satan can use the same fear yes. on a larger scale. So you definitely want to make sure that you know what's coming and be prepared for it. And the only way you can prepare is to have a savior. I would rather take my chances on the guy on the white horse very true. Then the seven-headed <laughs> dragon that's going to try to take over. So uh, I agree. So why don't you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And we'll make this an early ending episode today because we kind of went long last week. And this will wrap up part four of Daniel's 70 weeks. So the 70th week of Daniel is the final seven years of tribulation. You don't want to be around for that. The rapture is going to happen to deliver us from that time. So be a part of the rapture. Yes. I knew a man, a preacher, his name was Brother E.C. Moore. 
and we would go out to dinner from time to time, and he would, uh, whenever the waitress came to hand the bill to us at the end of the meal, or waiter, whoever it was, mm-hmm. uh, I know you're not supposed to say waitress anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> he would say to the, to the person, do you believe in outer space travel? And they would look at him and go, uh, well, I know we sent a man to the moon. Right. And he says, well, I have a father who's very wealthy, and he's preparing a vessel to leave this world, and I'd like to know if you'd be interested in joining us. <laughs> that is so awesome. And he used that as an opening door to talk about how Christ will save you and deliver you from the wrath to come in, in the rapture. you know. And he would do it in like two minutes before she even had to go deal with another table or he would ever have to go That's bust the so table or awesome. something. Yeah, it was amazing. So it's funny that it's something that simple we can communicate to people. Yeah. But if you want to know the truth behind it, that's what Bible Mysteries is trying to show. Yes, and that's why you guys have to tune in every single week and <laughs> learn something new because there's so much to learn but so little time. There is little time. And even if we're wrong on the timing of things, there's definitely very little time remaining for people to be saved. So I hope you've learned something today. And Zena, I thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And as always, everyone, you know, make sure you're, you're liking the podcast, you're subscribing, you're sharing it. Definitely leave a comment down below about something that you learned that you didn't know about Daniel's prophecy and his tribulations that he went through. And are you excited to be in the last day? Well, I'm excited to think that we might be in the last day right? because I tell you what, I'm ready to go. Me too. I'm ready to get over all of the things that are going on in the world. I want to go to just peace and love. and It's coming. Yes, it is coming. You just got to be patient. We got to go through some stuff. But in the meantime, we'll be back next week, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens. Right. And then we'll <laughs> see you guys on the other side then. That's right. So take care and thanks again for listening. Bye, Thank guys. Thank you for listening Bye. today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.